So this is part two of listening uh, this morning. And uh, as I said last week, uh, I'm going to go through characteristics of good listening. And this is something that um, if you haven't been here, if you've come into the class since February, you probably you may not have heard this before. Uh, if you were here in February, you probably heard this before. But as repetition is the mother of learning, I don't feel bad about talking about it. And it's not going to be the same exactly anyway. So, um, and so, and a lot of this is too is that you know there's a lot of points here, and these points are not original to me. Uh, they were in the uh, ACBC fundamentals class training uh, back when we started that. I don't know who gave it. It was like uh, Tom Webb and Dave Smith or somebody. A uh, long, long time ago, and um, I got it from there, and I think it came from Grace Community West or from Wayne Mack or Lou Priolo, but it's not original. The points are not original to me, but if you were to read Wayne Mack or you're going to read Lou Priolo, you're going to find all these concepts in there, So, and I would recommend both of those authors for just about anything, marriage and parenting. So um, so anyway, we'll, we'll be going through those. I do want to start with a little bit of a reminder of just a, some high points from last week as far as some, some important things to keep in mind as we go through these. And so, so really, uh, you know, as I said, we've heard this before. Repetition is the mother of learning. We need to be reminded, as I said last week, that we can never be reminded of these things enough. Nobody listens perfectly well all the time. And so I think... In, in saying that and, and even knowing that you've heard these things before, I'd say really, you know, sort of think through as we go through the points and really consider what is it that I do? Who, you know, what is the thing that I need to change? Because there's going to be something in there for all of us that we're like, yeah, I probably do that and I need to stop doing that. Or I do that well and I need to do more of that. Or my spouse does that definitely and I need to have grace towards them when they do that and maybe talk to them about it depending on the situation. So um, as we go through it, just sort of evaluate those things. And I'll send out the list of the points uh, after uh, class sometime this week. I'll get those out to you so you have them. Um, we were at one couple's house not long ago, and they had it posted on their refrigerator from the last time we went through it. So that was good to see, and, and just that it, it's there, and it's in front of them all the time. So that's good. Um, so one of the best ways to keep uh, love alive and to uh, cause our love to continue to grow in our homes uh, with our spouses, but also with our kids too, is by listening. I mean, we talked last week that if we don't listen well, then that's interpreted as not caring and not loving. If we're not sacrificial enough to listen to what the other person's saying, that's not being very loving towards that person. Uh, as a reminder, a few verses, Proverbs 18, 13, he who gives an answer before he hears it is folly and shame to him. So if we're not listening to their whole story, what they have to say, and they're getting their whole point, and we're answering before that, that's just being selfish is what it is. We're just sort of we're breaking in with our thoughts before we're actually getting what they think. Good listening involves discipline and self-control. And why did we say discipline? Because discipline, it, it's, discipline implies work, right? And that's what listening is. It's actually work to listen well. And I think a lot of times we don't think of it that way. We don't think we're just having conversation, and that's fine. We want to enjoy conversation, but actually truly listening, particularly to our kids sometimes, and uh, sometimes to our spouses too, is actual work, and we need to think about it that way. Um, if you're going to be giving anybody counsel, 
you are certainly going to have to work at listening because you need to make sure you get all the facts. You need to make sure you get all the story and everything that's behind it before you can give an answer. And you need to be doing this you know, as we're listening to people, we need to be listening through the lens of Scripture as well. So we, as you're, and this goes for listening to anything. If you're listening to the news, or you're listening to another instructor, or it doesn't matter what it is, we need to be listening through the lens of Scripture. We need to be considering whether what they're saying lines up with Scripture or not. And if it doesn't, you chuck it. And that's, that's work. We need, to, we need to really work at doing that. And this requires... You know, good listening also requires humility. We're going to talk a lot, probably, or, or the concept of having humility and listening is going to come up quite a few times, I think, this morning. But we, it, it requires us to be careful about how we respond and being mindful to accept what the person's saying, particularly if they're being critical or they're, or they're counseling us, even if we didn't ask for it. Uh, we need to have the humility to understand that, somebody, that somebody's coming to us, they have something to share, we have something we need to consider and gaining understanding. So we need to actively pursue understanding in listening to others as well. Proverbs, for, so a few more verses. Uh, Proverbs 20, verse 5. A plan in the heart of a man is like deep water, but a man of understanding draws it out. Proverbs 12, 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man is he who listens to counsel. And lastly, James 1, 19 and 20. This you know, my beloved brethren, but everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not achieve the righteousness of God. So the characteristics of listening. So number one, expressing friendliness through your body posture. Now, some of you may be thinking about your spouse and how they do not express th friendliness when you're talking to them, uh, or particularly if you are criticizing them or complaining to them about something, uh, they're not going to express that body. But, but what does that look like? Well, it, I'll tell you what it doesn't look like. Leaning back and crossing your arms is not going to be a friendly posture. You know, when somebody's saying something you don't like and you sit back like this and cross your arms, you know, you're just saying, I don't care. You don't know what you're talking about, right? Uh, instead, but leaving, leaning forward and closer to the person, I'd say as married couples, if you're going to have a real discussion and you're going to talk or you know, that person, want, your spouse wants to talk, sitting close on the couch, or I suppose if you're courting or dating or engaged as well, same thing, sitting close on the couch or close at the table and being able to talk that way uh, is expressing that you want to pay attention to this person, right? That you want to be close uh, and make sure you're catching what they're saying and that you can discuss civilly. You're going to discuss much more civilly when you're sitting on the couch together uh, than you would be if you're, uh, you know, yelling across the room or something. Uh, expressing interest through your body posture. So that's generally going to be, you're going to be leaning forward, right? You're going to actually in, be interested in what they're saying. Looking at the person who is speaking. Now, this is, you know, this sort of goes without saying, hopefully. Uh, eye contact, uh, actually looking at the person. Uh, now, you know, looking at the person all the time gets a little bit creepy, right? So you're just staring at them. That's probably not what you want to do. Um, but eye contact so that you are making it obvious that you want to relate and you want to pay attention and not looking at them at their eyes, but you're looking right through them. You know, you're, you're not really, you're just staring at them and you're seeing right through them and uh, they can tell that you're not really paying attention. You're just looking at them. Now, um, you know, looking at the person who is speaking so lock the computer, certainly put away the phone, 
set down the book or whatever project is at hand and actually pay attention. Um, so if you're looking at your computer at all while the person is there, even if you keep looking back at your computer or your phone or something, that's obviously communicating that you are not giving them your full attention. Okay? Now that's something very simple, but I would imagine all of us struggle with doing that sometimes. Because when we're in the middle of something, somebody comes to talk to us, particularly our kids, we are often busy, we want to stick with what we're doing, and sometimes we can't do that, we'll, we'll talk about that, but being able to set things aside and actually pay attention to them. Being appropriately relaxed, not tense or fidgety. So I did say arms crossed, and I, I thought of this the other night because we were at an event the other night, and we were outside, and it was cold the other night, and we're standing around talking, and I'm standing there with my arms crossed talking to somebody because I was cold. And I'm like, I'm crossing my arms. I really need to not cross my arms. So I didn't cross my arms. And then he was cold, and he was talking. He crossed his arms. So I was, then you're okay. If you're, matching, if you're matching what the other person's doing, you're okay. So as soon as he crossed his arms, I warmed up again. So... Uh, you can't, so you can match the speaker's stance. That, that's okay. But, but when you're crossing your arms, it, it just, and I've told my kids and my wife this a lot, and my, Yvonne laughs at me when I say it to her, because I'll, I'll just lean it, because she'll be paying attention in church, but she'll have her arms crossed, and I'll say, honey, you look really close to me. And Chris has even said that he, you know, he sees people out there that are, that have their arms crossed. You know, it's, it's a sign of, you know, you don't know whether they're paying attention or not. You don't know whether they're actually receiving or not. Uh, pacing your response in accordance with the person's emotional state, husbands. Uh, if the speaker is expressing pain and or distress, then giving them a quick response and a quick answer and solving the problem right away is probably not appropriate. So we need to be mindful of the person's state. If they are not, if they're expressing, they're, they're upset about something, then immediately answering them with what the answer is or what you have to say about the situation may not be the best plan. Uh, a lot of times it might be good just to hear somebody. We talked last week about the kid who went to the next door neighbor, or the, whoever the guy was that lost his wife, and he said, I just helped him cry. Well, sometimes we need to just help people talk things through by listening to them. And rather than giving a response, asking more questions and just let them keep. And when they say, okay, I've dumped enough, what do you think? Or can you give me some counsel? Well, then we can say what we want or say what we should. <laughs> Disciplining ourselves to listen even when we're tired. And this might be really tough for some people. And in this case, as in some other things, the best plan may be to just suggest another time. If we're tired and we're just, it's done, it's over. Um, when I get, it gets to be, I get up pretty early, so when it gets to be late at night or relatively late at night, what some of you might not think is late at night for, late at night for me, um, my eyes, all of a sudden my eyes will just start itching and I just can't, I'm like doing this while I'm talking to people and it's, I guess it's gotta be so annoying and it's just, and that, then it's time to go home. <laughs> okay, we'll have to listen another time because I'm going home now. Um, and as a speaker, we need to be gracious and understanding, realizing our discussion will be more productive another time. So if our spouse is too tired at that moment and they say, honey, I'm really too tired for this right now. Can we talk about this in the morning? Can we talk about this tomorrow early evening or whenever? We need to be understanding. If, if it's something that we really want to talk to them about, it's going to be tough for us also to be gracious and understanding and say, okay, you know, 
But if we're going to use the uh, wait until a better time card, so to speak, we're going to have to stick to that. We're going to have to make the time and stick to it and make sure we make it happen. Otherwise, we're communicating that, that person, what that person had to say, we put it off, but it's not as important enough to hold the new appointment that we are communicating that it's important that we hear them. So we need to make sure we keep that new appointment to talk or to listen to them. Disciplining self to listen even when rebuked or corrected. I mean, we talked about a lot about this, came up a lot last week in Proverbs. Several of the Proverbs address this. The wise and godly person welcomes correction and even critique, no matter who it is, that we can at least consider what they have to say. It, evalu- it allows us to evaluate whether there's things that need to be changed or that we need to fix, um, we need to repent of, we need to ask for forgiveness of, whatever it is, it allows us those opportunities. And if we're not willing to hear people's criticism, we're not able to hear what people are bringing uh, as a rebuke or a correction to us, then that's not going to be useful for either of us. Um, For one, if your spouse is coming to you with a rebuke or a correction and you completely ignore them, are they likely to come back to you again? with a rebuke and a correction. No, they're going to give up. And if they do that, that's not useful to you either. It's not useful to you to have a spouse in the house who sees you live day to day and knows your sin and knows your habits and doesn't speak to you about those things at all. That's not useful, nor is it God's design for marriage for that to be the case. Unfortunately, in our fleshly, here foolish, because that's what sin makes us, is foolish, habits and tendencies, we want to strike back and be defensive most often in our reaction. Um, And we need to fight that. We need to fight that reaction. Oftentimes it's very difficult, especially if somebody who has been uh, coming at us with criticism a lot before or somebody that we don't respect very much and they're coming to us with another another one, it's really hard to fight that reaction of saying, yeah, I don't care, (laughs) uh, or just walk away or whatever it is. Um, so we need to be careful to have the right humble attitude in those cases. Controlling emotions while listening. Uh, crocodile tears. What are crocodile tears? They're uh, they, the crying and letting the tears flow with an attempt to manipulate emotions, and those aren't helpful. Um, and, and it's sinful and selfish, really. Um, if we have an angry, doubtful, or sarcastic look on our face when somebody's talking to us, Uh, That's not going to help the speaker to communicate uh, without responding or reacting to that in some way. Um, So it's going to more easily lead into conflict or, um, you know, it's going to, it's keeping us from discussing and understanding well when we do that. So we need to be be mindful of the, the facial expressions that we have when we're listening to people, but not just the expressions that we are we're mindful of the emotions that we are conveying as we are listening to them. Being patient and slow to anger while listening. So that one's sort of straightforward. I don't think we need any commentary on that, really. Um, Controlling responses. So thinking before speaking. There's a concept, right, Uh, that we don't always follow. A lot of times we, we, in our reaction, we just speak. And then afterwards, you guys have the experience where you speak, and as you, the words are coming out, you're trying to catch them before they get to the other person. Uh, you know, that's that we need to think before we talk. Considering how to respond before responding is the plan. Uh, remember, it's not exactly what we say, or it's not just what we say, it's how we say it. 
Uh, so we need to be mindful and think about that. How am I going to respond? How, how am I going to speak the words in my response that are going to come across as gracious and loving? And just thinking in terms of the words reaction versus response, if we just think that way, that will help a lot. Reaction is going to be that knee-jerk, this is what I feel like speaking, which may be a sinful response. Uh, a response is going to be a thoughtful, okay, this is how I'm going to answer what this person is saying. So if you, for me anyway, that helps to think reaction or response. Uh, if I'm reacting, I'm probably speaking right away and saying something knee-jerk. If I'm responding, I've usually thought about it first, and I'm giving a thoughtful something to say regarding what they've been saying. Um, so being mindful, just, I don't know if that's helpful for you, but helpful for me, reaction versus response. Uh, results, uh, responses are the result of thinking about what the speaker has communicated, then contributing to the conversation with something useful as opposed to something potentially confrontational or incendiary, which is what a reaction is going to be, right? Next, refraining from dominating the conversation. Now, this should be obvious, but, uh, you know, and this might require conscious effort for some people, particularly people who would be considered talkers who are married to people who are more not so talky. You know, so you got the, the, the ones that people would describe as extroverts versus introverts, which I'm, I'm not sure those are good uh, labels when you're talking about in the home, but you generally have, you know, or a lot of times you'll have spouses that one talks a lot and the other one doesn't talk so much. Um, so we need to be mindful of that. Uh, remember, Proverbs tells us that the plan in the heart of a man is like deep water and the person of understanding draws it out. And we can't do that if we're doing all the talking. We have to be doing listening and asking questions to draw them out. Next, allowing the other person freedom to talk about their interests and concerns. So if we don't have some genuine interest in what other people are interested in, our communication is going to fall flat pretty quickly. We have to, have to show some interest, even if we're not interested in the beginning. We need to have some interest in what they are saying so that we can uh, love them well. Uh, and as far as that, that's interest, but in concerns, uh, when you think about it, if we don't take an interest in others' concerns, that's just not loving. It's selfish. If we aren't concerned or showing some interest in, in asking about the things that they are concerned with, not just their interests, their, their hobbies or whatever they're talking about, that's, we need to take interest in those things too. But if we're not really concerned about the things they're concerned with, that's not loving uh, to be that way. Um, appreciation, next one, appreciating and listening to counsel. Now, this goes back to Proverbs from last week again. Uh, there's a lot in Proverbs about how the fool doesn't listen to counsel. Fools don't listen to counsel, but the wise man listens, appreciates, and considers it. And of course, it's easy to do when we've sought out the counsel. If we're going to somebody that we think can give us good counsel, we can appreciate and listen to their counsel. But when we're, when we're talking about, in this case, appreciating and listening to counsel, that's the counsel that we're getting that wasn't exactly asked for or that we weren't looking for, and it just comes to us. But we need to appreciate and listen to those things as well and take them into consideration. They may not be right. They may not even be godly. But we need to listen to that through the lens of Scripture and consider whether that's the case or not and whether it's useful. Next, allowing others to fully state their opinions before responding. 
So this goes back to interrupting uh, and to listening instead of formulating our response while the other person is speaking. Those things go together. We uh, either just cut them off and tell them what we think instead, which is not loving because it's not putting them ahead of ourselves at all, and we are just interrupting them and cutting off what they're saying and saying what we want to say, or we're not, it's almost as bad is that we aren't interrupting, but we've completely checked out of the rest of what they're saying because we've already decided or we're trying to decide how we're going to respond to them from what they said in the beginning. So somewhere in there, we, our mind goes, okay, I got to say this thing to them. That's, and it's difficult, especially when the person has lots of points to say and you're trying to keep track of them in your mind before you go back. So, but you need to pay attention. You need to remember those things that you were going to talk about. And you know, if it's a serious conversation, okay, so if you go to a class in college, what are you doing? You're taking notes. You got a piece of paper and a pen or your computer and you're, you're taking notes. Well, it's important to write notes in college, obviously, because you've got to use it for the test, right? But what's more important, talking to your spouse and getting the real points of what they're saying or passing a history test, you know, whatever it is. So we need to be mindful of that might be a time when we need to hold on, hon, let me grab my pen and paper and, you know, start writing things down so that you can thoughtfully uh, respond. Of course, just the fact that we're taking notes communicates that we're listening, right? We're, we're, we're communicating that we are actually paying attention and that we care because we're actually writing them down. Now, this would be for an important, you know, something important to come up. Hopefully, you've established that this is an important conversation before that. <laughs> um, if she's telling you to take out the trash, you probably don't need to write that down. <clears throat> but, you know, the trash is getting kind of full, honey. Uh, okay. Uh, we need to discipline ourselves to listen attentively for understanding, not to respond. Keeping in mind that understanding and not responding is the main objective. That's the objective of listening. The objective of listening is so that we can understand. If we respond or we're able to respond, great. And if, if it's a conversation, then that's good, right? That's what we're supposed to be doing, <laughs> responding. But understanding first is the priority. It's the main objective. We can't, because we can't respond appropriately until we have understood. So until we've done that, we haven't done our job. Next, refraining from drawing conclusions or giving advice until you have carefully listened. So tacked on to what I just said, until you know what they're saying, until you know what their point is and what they're trying to get through, there's no way that you can respond because you don't know so that you can tell. There's nothing to answer to if you haven't heard the whole thing. Next, recognizing that your viewpoint may be biased or inadequate. Now, recognizing bias in ourselves is really tough. That's really hard. I mean, we, we think that we know things because we know things, and so we can reject things that people say. But when we do that, we need to be careful about our own biases. So... It's hard, to, it's hard to see that in ourselves. Um, or our viewpoint is inadequate. Either one of these are going to require humility, uh, being willing to listen and evaluate and being cognizant that we don't know everything. Um, and really, when you're talking about a, a lot of topics, it's not necessary for us to give, unless somebody's asking us directly, 
a lot of topics are not necessary for us to be making emphatic statements about. We can ask questions, or we can talk it through and say, hey, I've heard this, or I thought this person said this, or contribute to the conversation. But making emphatic statements a lot of times should be reserved for when we're speaking the Word of God, because we're talking about truth that is authority. We're not authority. God's Word is the authority. And if we can speak God's Word into the conversation, we are speaking from an authoritative stance. We're speaking from, we can speak emphatically in that way. Um, we can speak imperatively that way sometimes. If, if somebody needs correction by the Word of God, we can speak imperatively because it's not our opinion. It's not what we want. It's not what we think. It's what God's Word directly says. And we can answer to that. Um, and so, but in order to do that, we need to know the Word in order to do that. Okay, next. Welcoming and soliciting the input of others. Um, so we've talked about that already. So being okay, the input of others, somebody talking to us, giving us counsel, giving us suggestions, whatever, being welcoming and soliciting them. Okay, now these, these three go together. Being aware that you may not always accurately hear the words the other person uses, recognizing that the same words may be used with different meanings, and trying to understand another person's words in the way they are intending them to be understood. So in other words, people say things, and how we hear them aren't necessarily the way they were communicating them. The words they're using, we might translate that in a different way than what they meant. So a lot of times we need to get clarification. Now, the good thing is, is that if we're asking for clarification, you said this word, what did you mean by that? So as we're doing that, we are demonstrating that we are listening to them and we care to get it right. And so as we are hearing words that maybe we are hearing where this will make sure we're on the same page is all. So ask for clarification as necessary. Don't assume. Next, realizing that your interpretation of another person's speech may be influenced by your own emotional condition or by your attitude toward the person. So we have opinions about some people, right? Actually, probably everybody. Uh, but we need to keep that in mind as we are hearing them talk to us to not let those things sometimes affect how we are hearing them. I mean, we need to be mindful and wise, uh, you know, have some understanding of where the person's coming from, those kind of things, but not to let, us, let that affect us negatively when we are trying to listen to them, when we're trying to show them that we appreciate what they're saying and are paying attention. Um, it says influenced by your own emotional condition too. So if we are feeling down or if we have something going on, uh, we're not going to be able to pay attention the same way. And, um, and it's difficult for us to keep our thoughts engaged with the person who's talking to us when we've had something very difficult happen or we've got a really hard, we've had something really hard and we've got that on our mind, right? Or we're in an emotional state that's causing us to be distracted. Um, so we need to focus on it. And then again, it might be a good time to say, now's not a good time for me to talk. I'm not going to be able to listen to you well. I'm not going to be able to have this conversation right now. Can we do this another time? All right, next. Be cautious to attribute evil intent to another person's statements. Now, this takes us back to 1 Corinthians 13. Love hopes all things and believes all things. Now, as husbands and wives, we need to assume the best of our spouse's intentions. And this is hard, particularly if there's been some conflict 
if there's been long-term arguments, if there's been <laughs> a lot of uh, distancing going on in the house for whatever reason, uh, and even if that's being healed, it's difficult to just automatically assume the best of that person's intentions. And um, what we heard and understood may not be what was said if we're listening to it with the wrong ears, so to speak. If we're listening to it with the wrong idea of what they're com- where they're coming from, they might say something, or just in regular conversation with, a, with a, a good relationship with a husband and wife, something can be said, and we hear it one way, but that's not how they meant it, and we take it the wrong way because we're, we, are, we are pasting on evil intentions to what they said, though they didn't mean it at all. And a lot, a lot of discussion, heated discussions and arguments or fights or whatever you want to call them, come out of disagreement, just did not understand what the other person said or did or the purposes or their intention in doing so. So if we hear something that seems like our spouse is not being nice, uh, we need to discipline ourselves to respond lovingly and ask them to clarify. So, you know, that looks like that hurt me, that was hurtful what you said, or did you mean to do it this way, or did you mean to say it that way, and let them have the opportunity to clarify before you respond or react to those things. So we need to be open and calm about hurtful things that are said or done and give them the opportunity to clarify so that that disagreement doesn't turn into something it shouldn't. Next, hearing people out and not jumping to conclusions. Um, That's just jumping, not hearing the whole story and, and coming to a conclusion way ahead of time. Next, refraining from dogmatically predicting what another person is going to say. Um, As hard as it is for us to maintain this mindset, we are not able to know a person's intentions. We think we know a person's intentions very often, but we don't. The only person who knows God's (laughs) the intentions is God knows their intentions. We don't know. Um, We assume, and a lot of times from history, it's easy for us to go that way and to start thinking we know exactly what they're going to say and why they're going to say it. But that's not the case. Um, Next, acknowledging that the other person knows what they meant better than you do. So just the humility factor again. I hear what you're saying. It doesn't sound right. So assuming that they are saying what they want to say and that we need to get clarification if we're not understanding correctly. Next, refusing to be preparing your response or rebuttal until you have really heard what the other person is saying. So we already talked about that not breaking in the middle and start thinking about what you're going to respond with until you've heard everything. Next, giving the other person your full attention when they are speaking. So this goes back to facing the person, giving them your eye contact, same type of thing, um, but giving them your full attention. So you can be looking at somebody when they're talking to you and still not be giving them your full attention. You can be thinking of something else. But we need to concentrate on what's going on in the uh, moment. And again, if you can't break away from what you're doing at that time, then schedule another time to do it. Um, As an added thought on this, the people in our lives, our spouses and our children, are far more important than what else we might give attention to. I mean, if we're looking at the computer, if we're looking at our phone, if we're doing reading a book, whatever it is we're doing, um, when you consider the importance of that compared to our spouses and children and their thoughts and their concerns and the things that they want to talk about, hopefully those things aren't nearly as important. 
But in the moment, we just don't want to be distracted. We're, we're doing something and we're distracted and we don't want to give it up. And so well, we need to be mindful of the importance of keeping these open relationships. And open relationships come from prioritizing relationships and conversations. And um, when we drop what we're doing and give them our full attention, we're communicating their importance to us. Real listening and listening intently is communicating love to people. It's like we said last week. Some people, they don't, it's like the, same, the two are the same. Being listened to and feeling loved are the same thing to some people. And so we need to be mindful of that. Uh, and when we don't, we're communicating just the opposite. We're communicating that this thing is more important to me than listening to you. And we do not want to communicate that. As an extra a parenting tip, when your kids want to talk, stopping, giving attention to, um, stopping your attention to other things and listening to what they have to say, uh, this alone will take parents far in influencing their kids. If we listen, they know that we care. If they know we care, they are more apt to listen. So when we show them the attention that they need and want, then they are more likely to hear our what we have to speak to them as well. So, uh, and this may be late nights for you. <laughs> this may be dropping what you're doing on a regular basis for you. It doesn't matter. I mean, it's, it's going to be, it's important to stop and listen. Now, training the kids also that I have important things to do. I can't break this right now. I want to listen to you. Let's go grab coffee or a soda or something and we'll talk then or, or make, and, and okay, so that, so making that regular time with your kids is super important too. Um, I was, I had a, a counseling situation not too long ago and I met with the parents and they told me all the things that were going on with this child. And then I met with the child and um, by the time I met with the child, I was just like, okay. So I went back to the parents and just said, um, you need to start meeting with them on a regular basis because you're just not, the relationship isn't there. The listening and talking is not going on. The discussing and the conversation is not happening. And so there's just no communication there. Um, and that turned out to be a good thing. It turned out to be that that was a useful thing for them. In fact, I didn't even meet with the child again. <laughs> so parents were like, no, don't need to do that. We'll just keep moving on with what we're doing here. So it's, it's highly valuable. And, and date nights with the kids, um, hugely valuable. All right. Um, being slow to interrupt. We already talked about that. Next, being able to accurately summarize and reflect what has been said to you. So if you can summarize the things they're telling you, not only are you letting them know you are paying attention, but you're also asking for clarification to make sure that you've got what they said right. So they have an opportunity to correct you at that time. They can say, no, that's not what I said. <laughs> this is what I meant. Um, now, I've mentioned this, this didn't fit anywhere else in there, and I wish it would have. So I'm going to just mention it at the end. So I've mentioned Wilberforce many times, I know, but I'm going to mention him again. So you're just going to have to suffer through. Um, so, and this, this is really useful. Uh, James Stephen, who was, his, who was uh, Wilberforce's brother-in-law, and he was involved with them a lot in the, uh, getting rid of the slave trade and stuff. So uh, John Piper, he quotes James Stephen. So James Stephen recalled after Bill Wilberforce's death, being himself amused and interested by everything, whatever he said became amusing or interesting. His presence was as fatal to dullness as to immorality. 
His mirth was as irresistible as the first laughter of childhood. So he had an intense interest in anything. And so when he talked, so he's not just known for his joy, he was known for his conversation. He was known for speaking interesting things, but also speaking moral things. So Piper summed it up by saying, when a person came into Wilberforce's company, came in to be around him, into his proximity, and if they were unhappy or they were immoral, they were changed because they were with him. And he spoke truth to them, but he did it in a way that was winsome, and he, his joy was infectious, and his conversation was too. Okay. A um, couple more minutes. I can do three pages in two minutes. Um, so this leads into conflict resolution. I just wanted to say a few things about conflict resolution because they, they are t- listening well is going to remove a lot of conflict. Listening well is a vital aspect in conflict resolution. As I've said before and possibly mentioned in last week's lesson, interrupting and or, and or not listening to the complete thoughts of the speaker, namely our spouse or kids, places us in a position of answering before hearing, which Proverbs tells us is folly. So if we're answering before we hear, that's foolish for us to do. The time and effort to work through disagreements is reduced drastically when each party can convey their full thoughts. So when we're interrupting or we're not paying attention because we're, look, we're thinking about how we're going to respond, we're just lengthening out the process uh, because it's just going to take longer because you've cut this person's thought off. They're going to have to revisit it later, right? If you let them get it out and you respond thoughtfully, you're gonna, it's going to keep things going. And um, if we intently listen and consider with grace what the speaker is communicating instead of interrupting or being proud, then it's going to go smoother. A very practical and often assigned by biblical counselors exercise or practices what Jay Adams called the conference table. So essentially this is a set time in a set place where people who aren't communicating well are essentially forced to communicate well because there's ground rules for the table. So you come to, you set the time, you set the place, you come, and the ground rules are essentially James 1, 19 and 20, you know, listen fast, speak slow, and be slow to anger. But on top of that, Ephesians 4.29, not letting unwholesome words proceed from our mouth, but speaking those things that edify and give grace. So when you have the ground rules set and everybody is accountable to everybody else at the table, and you can call them out and say, that wasn't full of grace, that wasn't edifying, and you can have a real conversation. People are held to that. It makes for useful conversation. Now, I would say... uh, in that respect, we've talked before in this class about having regular times when husband and wife sit down to talk and making that time, like actually scheduling the time. And I mean, if it happens naturally, that's fine. Maybe you don't need to schedule it. But if it's not happening naturally because you're both busy and running around or whatever you're doing, then scheduling that time is necessary because you have to have that time to be able to discuss. And if you have that time to discuss in pleasant hours, then the conflict hours are going to be a lot fewer or not at all because you're going to be able to talk through things in a, in a, a better environment. Um, of course, husbands are commanded in 1 Peter 3, 7 to live with their wives in an understanding way, and Ephesians 5, to love her sacrificially. We can't do that unless we're listening. We can't do that unless we're hearing what she's saying and responding accordingly. Of course, the wives don't get off either, because in Ephesians 5, 
it tells them both to be subject, be subject to your husband and everything, and also to respect their husbands. And that pretty much includes living with their husbands in an understanding way too, because there's no way they can do that unless they really understand their husbands. So does this just mean listening well? No, but it sure starts there. It's not going to happen unless we're listening well, right? Remember 1 Corinthians 13, love is patient, love is kind, does not seek its own, is not provoked, does not take into account, and I'm skipping, so those of you who know it are saying, what will happen to this? It's not provoked, does not take into account a wrong suffered, rejoices with the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things, and love never fails. Uh, as we listen, we can keep in mind the benefits of another person's perspective. As that person's talking, we might be challenged to search the Scripture based on what they're saying or how you think about it, and maybe your thinking is wrong. You need to go back to the Scripture and check it out, uh, either to confirm your convictions or to change them if necessary. Uh, next, we can be sharpened by others, and when we answer well, meaning biblically, we can sharpen others too. Proverbs 27, 17, iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. And that's what we ought to be doing as believers, particularly as husband and wife. We ought to be, and as our kids come in too, and we discuss these things with them. We should be sharpening one another. We should be challenging each other with truth from the Word. It gives us opportunities to practice serving and preferring others. So when we're listening well, we are regarding others as more important than ourselves because we have to discipline ourselves to listen and sacrifice whatever time or energy or thought that's going to require. And ultimately, we glorify God when we listen well, as that is what He's commanded, and we glorify Him in our beings, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Whether then you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. So if for no other reason, we need to consider the fact that obedience and listening well is glorifying God, and that's what we are commanded to do. So let's pray. Lord, thank You. For your word, we thank you that you have made yourself known to us, that you have made your will known to us, that you have given us the wonderful relationship of marriage, the relationships with um, our children. We pray that you would make us mindful to love them well by listening to them well, that we would be mindful to consider rightly the things that they say to us in criticism or rebuke, that we would be humble to consider those things and to um, change if necessary pray that you give us a, a knowledge of your word and give us a, a renewed love for your word, that we would be in it on a regular basis, that we would have your word in mind and be um, considering it all the time, that we might be able to uh, challenge and encourage others also. In Jesus' name, amen.